0: Hi, Church. Welcome to the SCN podcast. We're a church playing our part in the evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society here in Norwich and Norfolk. Be sure to connect with us online at SCN.org.uk or on social media at STN Church. Enjoy. Chapter
1: 3, starting at verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. produce fresh water.
0: Amazing. Thank you, Selina. I don't know what goes through your mind when you hear that passage read. The first word that goes through my mind is, ouch. It's one of those painful, uncomfortable, and yet crystal clear passages. And in one sense, we could just listen to the rest of the book and just let the words wash over us. And that would be a sermon in itself. But you're not going to get away with that, at least for the next 20 minutes. I just want to just draw on a couple of things that uh, I draw out from this book. And I think that God's wanting to remind us of this morning. And in fact, it was my fault. uh, The first couple of verses were missing from our reading today. But the first thing our book teaches us today, this, this letter from James is that we will all be judged by our words. In verse three of our reading, it says this, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And as somebody who's standing up this morning, preaching and teaching, this verse kind of hits home pretty heavily. And I feel that it weighs me down quite often, that sense that we're gonna be judged as teachers by our words. But the reality is that each and every one of us this morning is a teacher of God's Word. We are each called to be in a particular place. It might be a school gate, it might be at home with our children, it might be in the workplace, but we are each called to have influence in the world around us, to be God's hands and His feet and to bring His Word. And in that sense, we're all teachers. And so when we read that we're all to be judged more severely because of the words that we speak, That should certainly make us sit up at least and take notice. But you know, if you're not convinced by that little argument that I've drawn together there, if you take Matthew chapter 12, this is the words of Jesus in verse 36 and 37. He says this, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Straight from the mouth of Jesus, telling us that we will be judged for the words that we speak. That's the New International Version. Not everybody is a fan of the message interpretation. It is just that. It's an interpretation, a prayerful interpretation by Eugene Peterson. But the same verses, Matthew chapter 12, he says this Every one of these careless words is going to come back and haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful, take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. And you know, whichever version of the Bible that you read, Jesus is making it pretty clear that we're going to be judged by our words. And you know, I don't know what preparations you made to come here this morning. So many of us, no doubt, would have made preparations in the form of what we look, how we look, the clothes that we wear. Some of us would have spent time on our hair and our makeup, But actually, how many of us would have spent time thinking about the words that we were going to speak when we came to church? And the truth is that we read this Bible passage that God is not going to judge us by how we look. Some of us are saying, thank God for that. But he is going to judge us from how we speak and the words that we say. And therefore, we need to take care of the words that we say. We need to take care with the words that we write. We need to take care with the words that we tweet or post on social media because we will be judged by the words that we say. Anybody else firmly in the wooden chair behind me? If not, we're going to keep going. The second point, the first point is that we're going to be judged by the words that we say. The second point that we learn from our passage today is that our words are powerful You know, it's interesting that this passage comes after James chapter 2, where James has kind of laboured the point that faith without works is dead. In other words, we don't just have to walk out our faith. He now starts transitioning and saying that we need to talk out our faith in a way that is honouring of God. And you see, if we focus too much on James chapter 1 and 2 in our actions, we neglect our words or we say in some way subconsciously that our actions are more important than our words. Well, actually James says that they are equally as important and that we will be judged by them and that they are powerful. You see, sometimes we see just words as just words. We just say a little white lie and think that it won't affect anyone. We just tweet a few characters on social media We give our opinions maybe, whether it's wanted or not. We speak with our friends and our families as if nobody else will know what we're saying. We treat the words that we say as safe and that they won't get back to anybody that they're concerning. We just throw away lines willy-nilly in our day-to-day lives. Or we say to people, oh that's just the way I am, I'm just one of life's direct speakers. I speak the truth when I'm given the opportunity. But we can kind of belittle the words and the power that they have. You know, I don't know if you've ever, well you would have heard that expression, no doubt, in the school playground, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is the complete opposite of what James is saying today. He's saying, in one sense, it doesn't matter what happens with our actions. It's our words that are important, our words that are powerful. Our words have power. And in making this point, James then illustrates what he's saying to really ground it with the people that he is speaking and the people that are listening to him. And he uses three images to make the same point, that although the tongue is small... It's a powerful thing. Now, the first image that he uses is to describe a horse being directed by a horse's bit. This, um, courtesy of Heather, is a horse's bit. This is one of many designs. If you're interested, go and Google horses and their bits and you find that this is a massive, massive subject. I don't claim to know much about it, but this is um, a twisted snuffle bit and um, it basically weighs a few hundred grams. And yet, in the hands of a careful rider, it can direct a horse that will weigh 700 kilograms up to somewhere near on a metric tonne. It will change the direction that the horse is going. The second image that James uses is of the rudder in a ship. A rudder, often a small piece of wood, a small piece of plastic, a small piece of metal that's often hidden, well, always hidden beneath the surface of the water. No one often looks at a boat and goes, wow, that's a nice rudder. But the rudder, despite the fact that winds and things can powerfully buffet a ship, it's the rudder that will steer its course. And then the third image that James uses is of a spark, a small spark that can destroy a whole forest. And in these images, as I've said, we've got the same point that James is trying to make. He's really laboring this point, and yet simply saying that the tongue is powerful. It might be small. It might be a part of the body that we don't normally look at but it has the power to control. It has the power to dictate and to steer something much, much bigger. It can steer the whole direction of a person's life, for good or for evil. It can destroy a person's life. It can build up people's lives. The tongue is small, but the tongue is powerful. Our words are powerful things. Now, this idea of um, the power of words is one that's not just in the book of James, it's in the whole of Scripture. Right at the very beginning, we read how words have creative power. God, in the account of how he created the heavens and the earth, he speaks four words, let there be light. And light comes out of darkness. Light comes out of nothing. You know, it's interesting, I think, particularly in these words, that there is no distinction between actions and words. They are one of the same thing. God says, and so it is. And this is why the promises of God are so important. This is why we constantly encourage each of us to look at the promises of God in Scripture. Because when God speaks and he promises... So it comes to pass. There is an inseparable link between actions and words. They have creative power. Words also have the power to sustain life. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, we read this. The Son, that's Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And then in John chapter 1, a reading that we will normally hear, and we probably will hear over the coming weeks as we build up towards Christmas, we hear how Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus who came to give us life and life in all its fullness. Jesus who came to dwell among us, to live among us, to die for us, who was raised to life that we might have faith and have a relationship with God our Father. He himself is the Word made flesh. Words have power. They create and they sustain, and they also give life. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, well, that's fine. That's the words of God. What about my words? Well, our words also have incredible power. We are each, whether we know it or not, image bearers of God. Of God and therefore something of God's creative power in the words that he speaks is the same that we, we have that something of that same power. You know one of the ways that our words can create and build up is through encouragement. We've called our second son Barnabas. It means son of encourager. We love the gift of encouragement. It's a spiritual gift And if you've ever been on the receiving end of words kindly or encouragingly spoken, then you'll know the power that they can have. Some of you will be sat in these seats right now because somebody encouraged you at some point. They said that you can do it. You can study or read at university. You can come and do this and then that or the other. You can lead worship. You can be a part of this family. You can do it. Our words can encourage and our words can create. Our words can also have creative power by using them when we pray for people, laying a hand on someone and asking God to heal them. Our words, we stand in the gap between heaven and earth and God uses our words for his purposes and they are powerful. And likewise, when we worship, when we sing aloud, this is not about coming on a Sunday morning and having a good sing-song. We are worshiping God. Worship is to and for God. We're proclaiming His kingdom. And as we worship, the biblical truth is that freedom comes around us. We are taking ground in the heavenly and the spiritual realms. Our words have power. But in the same way that our words have power, our words can also destroy. In verse 8 of our reading, James describes the tongue as a restless evil full of deadly poison. I don't know if you remember that story of the uh, the Russians that poisoned the Ukrainian in Salisbury. I forget his name. You know this image of poison is a powerful one because a gunshot wound is very obvious from the outside. A stab wound or a bruise or a cut is very obvious. But poison, it works on the inside out and it destroys from the inside out. Sometimes very obviously, sometimes very subtly. Poison is ingested, and it starts bit by bit to destroy the organs and destroy the body from the inside. And in the same way, words, sometimes very obviously, sometimes very subtly, they can discourage, they can destroy, and they can disrupt. You know, call someone stupid, maybe even once, and that label can stick. Speak it over them a number of times, and they'll begin to believe that it's true. The same is true if you call someone fat or thin or tall or short. If you label someone as too old or too young, that their face doesn't fit, that they've missed their moment. Labels stick and they take a long time to wear off. Sometimes they never leave a person. How many wars have been started through careless words? or through strong words or incorrectly spoken words? How many eating disorders have their root in words that have been spoken and labels that have been given? Words are powerful. A bit is just a tiny thing, but it can steer the direction of a powerful animal. And you might be here this morning, and words have been spoken over you. Maybe you don't know it or don't recognize it, or maybe the memory has died away, but those words have an impact on your life today. Then we're going to just give a bit of space at the end for God to break those labels, to break those words over your life, and to see God bring freedom come. And we need to take care with the words that we speak. In Proverbs chapter 18, it says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. You're going to say a lot of words in your life. In fact, you're going to say, as I've discovered over the last couple of weeks, on average, 860 million words, 341,500 words. That is the equivalent of the complete Oxford English Dictionary, all the volumes spoken 14 and a half times over. That's a lot of words. And each word, every single word that we speak has power, and we need to use them wisely. So the first point, we're going to be judged by the words that we speak. The second point is that our words are powerful. The third point, and it's more of a question, is how do we use our wise words wisely? Again in chapter 8, James says no human being can tame or can control the human tongue. But there are two things that we can do to ensure that our words are life-giving. The first thing is, we need to recognize where it is that our words come from. In verses 11 and 12 of our reading, James says, "...can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water." The point that James is making here is that the nature of our words, our very words, are dictated by the source that they come from. If you are walking on a hillside and you discover a little stream, if you follow that stream uphill, you will at some point find an aquifer, a point at which that stream leaves the ground, the spring that it comes from. And Back in um, 2000, or maybe a bit earlier than that, 1998, I was at university and I was taking part in the Ten expedition. It was 55-mile walk over Dartmoor going to 10 different tours. And I was on a team of uh, six people, I was one of them, and we trained and we trained and we trained to do everything we could to make sure that we were fit and healthy and ready for the start line of this expedition. And if you're not familiar with the expedition, the whole idea is that you go self-sufficient, you carry everything on your back that you need for the 55-mile route, which takes place over two days. And we trained really hard, and then what happened was, we got to the weekend of the expedition and it was one of those scorchio weekends that you occasionally get in early spring. It was absolutely baking. And we carried all the water that we could with those platypus systems and water bottles But ultimately, what it meant was, and this was going to be the case anyway, that we would have to top up our water bottles as we went on this particular expedition. So after we'd drunk everything that we were carrying, we had to find a stream, and what we would do is we would kneel down, we would fill up our water bottles, and then rather than drink it straight away, you'd have to put a a tablet, a a sterilizing tablet in that bottle of water that would work over a period of 30 minutes, and it would kill all the bugs and the, the, the various things that would cause you harm. But it was so hot a weekend that we started to think, cool, we're drinking more than we can sterilize here. We didn't have the containers to hold the fresh water that we needed. And one of my friends was so thirsty that he cut a corner and rather than leave the Steri tablet for 30 minutes, after about 15 minutes, he said he was gonna go for it. And so he took a massive swig, a massive glug of this water bottle. And within about 30 minutes, he was bent over in half. He was throwing up, he had violent diarrhea, and he was in trouble, and he could not continue on the expedition. And so we carried this um, friend of ours to the first aid point, and the first aid the first aider said, absolute classic. And the first question he asked was, what kind of water have you been drinking? And we explained where we got the water from, and he said, have you been sterilizing the water? And we said, yes, we've been sterilizing. And my mate said, Well, not quite. I left it 15 minutes rather than the 30 minutes. And the first aider said, that's exactly what it is. I think it was something called like cryptosporosis bug or something like that. And he was escorted off the moor. And the reality is, as the first aider pointed out, that what would have happened is we would have drunk from a stream that was polluted. That further up the stream, there would have been something like a dead animal in the water. And when it comes to our words... The source of our words is always further upstream. And the source of our words is always our heart. There is a direct road that leads from our hearts to our mouths. And we don't often realize it, but it's there. Again, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus speaks into this subject and he says, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Have you ever considered that what you speak is coming directly from your heart? You know, over a period, or a short term at least, that we can fake what we say. We can be determined to go into a particular scenario and say, I'm not gonna say this, and I'm gonna make sure I say that. But sooner or later, the heart will overflow out of our mouths. You know, road rage would be the classic example. I don't know if you experience or suffer from road rage. You might experience it where you pull out or something and somebody shouts at you. It's a spontaneous vocal reaction to something that they're feeling in their heart. And we need to be aware of the fact that our words come from our hearts. And so that's the first thing that we can do to make sure that the words we speak are life-giving rather than destroying. We need to remember where they come from. And then the second thing we need to do is this. We need to recognize that to change the words, we need to change the source. In other words, we need to change the state of our hearts. We need heart surgery. In verse 14, James goes on beyond our reading that we had today, and he speaks that it's only with the help of God that we can change the condition of our heart. And specifically, he says that we need the wisdom of God. But ultimately, we need the master surgeon to perform heart surgery. And it's only through God's Holy Spirit that that heart surgery will be made possible. In Ezekiel 36, the prophet Ezekiel, he's speaking the words of God and he's saying this. He says, I will give you, this is the word of God. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The context of this passage is that God's revealing to Ezekiel what he wants to say to his people. That one day he's going to pour his Holy Spirit out on all people and he's going to turn their hearts of stone to a heart of flesh. And this prophecy was uh, fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. But the same Holy Spirit that was available to the early church and gave them a heart of flesh is available to us today and will likewise give us a heart of flesh. And in Galatians 5, we read about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Each of these fruits of the Spirit can be applied to the words that we speak. The Holy Spirit can help us. He can help us speak words of love that reflect and show the love of God. The Holy Spirit can help us speak words that are full of joy and bring joy to others. The Holy Spirit can speak peace into our situations and therefore give us words to speak that will speak into situations and diffuse tensions. The Holy Spirit can give us patience and that allow us to speak words patiently after listening has first taken place. The Holy Spirit can give us words that will build up rather than destroy. The Holy Spirit can give us words that are good and kind. The Holy Spirit can give us words that will be gentle and can bring healing. And the Holy Spirit can give us words that are wisely chosen and spoken sparingly. You know, the message is really simple today. Get the source right, and we'll get our words right. But we can only get our words right with God's help. Our words will only have creative and healing power if they are words that are spoken out of a heart that is pure. The tongue is small, but the tongue is powerful. And because the tongue is powerful, our words are powerful. And we will each, one day, stand in judgment before God for the words that we've spoken. And I don't know about you, but I want to speak words that are life-giving, words that transform the lives of those around me. The words that ultimately transform in the name of Jesus the city in which we live. We can see God's kingdom extend in this city through the words that we speak. But we can't do it alone. I was just listening to Heather was telling me that the bit of a horse. The bit is only one part of the puzzle. It's a partnership between a piece of metal in a horse's mouth and the rider. And when there is synergy, when there is unison, when the two are working hand in glove, that's when the horse will have a change in direction. We need to do this with the help of God. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. If I can encourage you just to stand. Ben, if you can begin to come up. I'll move these chairs in just a moment. But we're going to spend time now. Just thank you, Jonathan. Asking God's Holy Spirit to come and to fill us. And we're going to spend a moment just waiting in silence, just making space for his Holy Spirit to minister to our spirit. And maybe even for some of us this morning to begin something of that heart surgery that I spoke about just a moment ago. And so Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to come. We thank you that you're with us now and that you long to minister to each and every one of us and so we welcome you come holy spirit come and fill our hearts this morning afresh If you're new to this. What we, we're just doing is we're just waiting in the presence of God. He's here. It's not about what we feel or experience in this moment, but we trust that God's Spirit comes when we ask Him and invite Him to come. He meets with every single one of us. And we don't hype it up, we just wait. And Lord Jesus, we just come before you now as perhaps broken and wounded and bruised people who have perhaps been on the receiving end of words spoken over us. And we just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just break those labels that are on each of us, the negative labels that have been spoken over us maybe many, many, many years ago. we pray, Jesus, that you begin reminding us of the promises of of your word, the truth of who we are, that we are loved by you, that we are sons and daughters of the King, that we are each fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are made in your image, and that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. Come, Holy Spirit. And I might be wrong, but I just get a sense as we wait this morning that there is a number of us here this morning for whom we need to uh, forgive those who have done wrong against us through the words that they've spoken. And the way we do that is we just do that in the stillness of our heart. It might be that we've done it before, but we just feel that we need to do it again. Just perhaps give that name of that person to God and say you forgive them. Jesus, we ask for your wisdom today. Thank you that we don't have to do this alone. And we pray as we worship, as we wait on you, as we go into the next days and weeks of our lives, that you would begin just to just do the work that only you can do. That you begin to change our hearts from the inside that you would reverse, um, in one sense, what poison does, that you would do exactly the opposite, that life-giving words, that joy and peace would well up from within us, and that you would increase the size of your kingdom through the words that we say, in our places of work, where we study, in our homes, wherever it may be. Holy Spirit, give our words life today. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to connect with us online at stn.org.uk and on social media at
1: stnchurch. See you soon.